One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we begin, it's that time, people, Ambassador Cycling, you guys, you know you need it. You feel it when you get off the bike after a long ride or a trainer session or, hell, attempting a slow rise from the fucking couch. Yeah, you're sore. You shouldn't be. Have you thought about how your bike is fitted? Well, chances are you just had someone in the shop eyeball your saddle height and away you went, right? That's probably the case. Well, trust me, you guys, your riding life will change if you just head over to AmbassadorCycling.com and book some time with the one and only Bike Fit Sam. Trust me, okay? Next, how about some love for athletic brewing, people? Are you like me? Well, I'm sorry if you are. If you tend to gain a few kilos once the riding season slows down, you really should look into your calorie intake. That's what I hear. Uh, try out the offerings Athletic Brewing, and you can drink beer without losing weight. Alcohol-free, meaning less than 0.5% and great tasting. Use the link at packfiller.com to order today. Finally, oh yeah, Scratch Labs, people. You know you want it. If you haven't tried the Spice Cider flavor, it sounds bad in the summer, but it is brilliant this time of year, especially you know like your cyclocross pre- or post-beverage out there. Or like me, you just heat some up and drink it in your office don't even get me started on what should truly be labeled also the cyclist food bible it's called the feed zone portables cookbook get over to scratchlabs.com today and get started on your best hydration and fueling options out there okay did i do it yes i did it we should do this New cameras are freaking me out because I'm tired of seeing so many footage of just me and that one camera. <laughs> I don't like it. You do all the talking. Yeah. Yeah, well, I should switch to you guys more often, but I, right now I've just got all three of us on individual cameras, so it's just like the the P cam, the J cam. <laughs> 
Well, cyclocross is in full bloom, which can only mean one thing. A lot of us are not racing, but we're watching a lot of cyclocross. Welcome to another live episode of the Pack Filler. That's right, live. If you haven't been tuning into the fact that we are live when we do these shows, well, guess what? We are. We're live on Podbean. We're live on Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> we're live on uh, Facebooks. We're live on YouTube and Vimeo. Is that it? And the trusty Podbean. Yeah, I, okay, I said Podbean did, first. Yeah. I think I hope I did. If I didn't, yeah. thank you for correcting me. Podbean. Okay. Before we even get into introductions, you guys, I want to take a quick introduction, a quick second, and congratulate a good friend of the show and host of the greatest cycling podcast out there. I'm not, I'm, I mean that. I want to congratulate our friend, Mr. John Galloway of the VeloCast. John posted his last episode of the long-running show last week, ending a tenure of the great cycling news and commentary. So cheers to John, and thanks for his great work. So we're all toasted. Yeah, absolutely. Stay tuned. They got more coming. Oh, shit damn, do they got more coming. Um, so be ready for that. Speaking of long-running podcasts about bikes, let's get this going. Gentlemen, when I say your intro... You have to tell us something about yourself. This is my new cop-out. I'm not coming up with anything creative anymore. (laughs) I'm just copping out. When I say your intro, provide us with your Halloween candy of choice. If you could eat that one type of candy from Halloween... Don't say Snickers with razor blades in it because that's just cruelty and, you know, everybody gets offended these days. Uh, What would it be? So, first and foremost, how are you, Mr. Paul Maine? I'm doing all right. What's what's your candy of choice? They don't make it anymore. Really? Yeah. It it was called the Marathon Bar. It lasts a long, long time. Are you serious? You're just pulling a Willy Wonka joke. No, no, no. Look it up. It was like a braided caramel thing with chocolate on it. It's called the Marathon Bar. It, and the slogan was, it lasts a long, long time. <laughs> and, you know, you lost fillings because of the caramel, you know. Uh, and the chocolate would break off the caramel, and then you get, like, chocolate on your... Yep. Like there the red one? The yeah. red one? Yeah. Really? It, it lasts a long, long time. There it is. Those, so you would go where they would give full-size candy bars. Well, when, at my age, they didn't have minis yet. <laughs> Everybody's still dressed up as ghosts back yeah, then. Yeah, just like they all so, only had cheats. Yeah, cheats. Hey, <laughs> I remember the first plastic <laughs> plastic mask. What the hell? You have no creativity. Oh. You bought that at a store, like thin nylon thing. Those were terrible. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then those masks. You just wear those masks, and it was just sweat. Sharp edges, and you cut. <laughs> yeah, back then they used lead paint. Yeah, and you yeah. yeah, 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 sweat underneath them the whole time. We were preparing for this pandemic our entire lives. Yeah. Now that I think about yeah. it, because we just we wore masks mm-hmm. all the time. Sometimes it was a mask of pain. Sometimes it was a mask of alcoholism, like our father or something <laughs> like that. You know. I'm not saying my dad's an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. Um, introductions. Mr. Jackson Bulger, how are you? And what's your favorite candy? I'm good. Thank you very much. Um, I think so. I go through like candy waves. I've got a pretty good sweet tooth right now. Yeah. I, uh, I'm really liking sour Skittles. Sour Skittles. I yeah. thought you were just going to say regular Skittles because that was always your thing when you were growing up. There's a difference, I will say, obviously. Oh, it's the IPA of Skittles. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Only a select few enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But the ones that do are the really cool ones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the green ones are like double hop, dry yeah. hop. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. the bag's green. Yeah. And it's green. Yeah. So yeah. Is the bag green? 
Really? I, yeah, I never had a sour skittle. I, I can't do this. I could do the Sour Patch Kids for a while, but then my tongue just starts. I fry off. It, it's like an IPA. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> I burn off the taste buds. Yeah. I lose the flavor of taste. Oh, my tongue hurts right now. I've been eating them recently. My, like, really? It feels like little blisters on your tongue. Yeah, it currently yeah. is burning. Yeah. No but shit. I'm going to eat them tonight. <laughs> Dinner. Yeah, seriously. Uh, me, I'm Pat Bolger, and it's always been the same for Halloween candy for me. Flavored Tootsie Rolls. I love the flavored, flavored? Tootsie Rolls. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I love there's, those. there's cherry, there's I, no, no, lime, no, no. there's Bro. lemon, there's. When did those come along? Oh, forever. I, the only time I really oh, yeah. find them is at really fucked up gas stations or, <laughs> or on Halloween. This is what I'm saying. They, they've <laughs> been around forever. Huh. Yeah. And they, uh, if you eat enough, you get the sensation that you've basically ingested a candle. Huh. <laughs> it's all wax. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's all wax. And I love them. I don't know why I've always loved them. Yeah, I no, see I love them too. Yeah, yeah, especially because you always get the one that has the tootsie rolls in them. I hate, but the you tootsie only roll, get the you only get ones. the you get that big like five pound bag. I get that every year, but you only yeah. go for the flavored tootsie rolls, and the rest <laughs> suck. <laughs> it's flavored tootsie rolls and the tootsie pops. Yeah, and I I get a gigantic bag of it every year, and we get no trick or treaters anymore because let's be honest, Halloween's dead. Everybody thinks that they're you know you're going to knock on the door and somebody's going to steal your kid. Or they're going to get COVID or something like that. So Halloween's dead. So we get a bag every year, and we live near a park, and we still get nothing. Hmm. I mean, we maybe get 10, 10 times the door knocks. But do you get more? Uh, I know this is a cycling podcast, but I don't give well, a fuck right now. Um, what my wife and I have always done is ran down to our favorite watering hole, Benedito's Pizza. <laughs> Turn the light off and, and head on down. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's ever changed. <laughs> Because we take the kids out, and once they got too old for that, it's like, yeah, uh, we're done. Yeah. yeah, we just went and get off good, of my lawn. Yeah. You know, yeah. good that's right. Ruffians, let wow. Flanders bark at him all night. Yeah, long. well, that's the thing. Our dog goes crazy too. So that's what we're excited for this year, though. Hopefully, we get him. You in think Port- we'll get some? There's some kids there. Yeah, yeah, but in Portland, you yeah, you'd never see your kid again yeah. where we lived. <laughs> He's in one of these tents. There's an, oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna upgrade. I was gonna say an RV, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically what it is. Holy shit! Hey, you guys, uh, not to not to kill the mood, but one more quick toast uh, to to Jack Broadhead. He can't be with us tonight, and if you listen to his Jack, our our, our glasses raised to you. There we go. Um, let's get this out there. Who's riding and how much? Um, I know I'm going to be the loser this week, the biggest loser of riding weeks. I had one day. I got out on the Saturday ride with all you guys, and it was fun. And I went as hard as I could a couple times. And I don't, I don't know if it was very fast. I kind of feel bad because I might not be. Fit. I think I lost all my fitness, and it's gone. And I suck again. <laughs> Have another beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackson, how was your riding week? You <laughs> left early on the ride. You didn't even say goodbye to your own goddamn father. Yeah. Well. Uh... It, the ride was good though. Um, on Saturday, um, yeah, I did have to leave a little early just because I, I promised a group of people that I'd be done at one, and it was one forty-five, and I was still about ten miles away from my oh. house, and so oh. I went. I told Paul, "All right, I'm going to keep pushing yeah. on." Um, Wasn't it twelve forty-five? It was twelve forty-five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What? Mm-hmm. You weren't going to make it. No, no. Which I did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a long way for you. Yeah. It was, and it was the hardest I've gone in a very long time. <laughs> I felt like hell when I got back. 
I went so hard. Um, it's all climbing too. All yep. climbing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Little ring most most of the way, but you know. Wow. Um, and then I, I Zwifted on one day. Mondays, never going to do it. I'm too tired. Tuesdays, we're here. And then... Um, so you're planning ahead already. You're planning yeah. your program. Well, this is what my week is like. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then after that, I just figured out from there. I think I'm going to approach it that way, too. I think I'm going to honestly have to make up a training plan every week in advance. Kind of a thing like that. Uh, Paul, how was your riding week? Well, yeah, I was on that ride Saturday with you guys, and then um, Sunday, uh, it was uh, Bike Fit Sam and I because he needed to get at least forty-five miles to get his five thousand miles, which is yeah, yeah. Him, so, and I was wondering, well, I wonder where I'm at, and I looked up on Strava, and I'm like, oh my god, I barely even rode this year. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. What did he? What did I'm you under, have compared I'm to under him? I'm under three thousand. That oh, is really? really low. Mm-hmm. And then it says the average ride per per week is one, and I and I told Sam <laughs> I, I I said to Sam I said you know what this whole time is like yeah this getting old stuff it just sucks, how about training on a consistent basis and then I have a reason to say if I get dropped, but riding one day a week no wonder it's I'm really suffering. said one day a week <laughs> that's what I've averaged through the year one day a week, you know you can Holy go down shit. on Strava and it has a breakdown for the year, really yep. And how many miles, how many feet of climbing, and all time, you know, that you can break it down for per year or whatever. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I haven't Which done is, a Strava one yet. It is a, it is a real kind of sad state of mind where I didn't get much, much riding in. But it also drives me to, like you were talking about, <sighs> setting a schedule. Yeah. And with my new work, um, there's no reason I can't plan. I can't. I can't leave the city limits even if I do finish with all my inspect inspections. Really? Nope. You can't leave the city limits. So I can't ride, but I'm still on the clock. But see, uh, I man the phones, and then I kind of oh, get ready okay. for the next okay. day. That's what I do. But I think I can do, like, man the phones, do a little yoga, yeah. do some push-ups, waiting for the phone <laughs> ring, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> So, is, so you're at a corporate office somewhere, or is this at home? My house, my oh, corporate you're office. You're, yeah. you're home. You're yeah. doing this all out of the house, so yep. you can work at home. Yep. No oh, more city oh, for us. Nice. You got to take home that that other Wahoo trainer, like. Tonight. Well, I'll make a trade sometime. Otherwise, just in case she goes, let me have that trainer. Yeah. Your wife. Nobody knows one. that we said this on the last show, and, and Michelle's not going to listen, so we can say this that I'm going to. We're going to give one that we're works. Swap out a bad trainer <laughs> yeah. for my wife, so she knows it's always there. She won't get on it. She's not an idiot. She won't ride indoors because it's stupid it sucks it's horrible. it does and why would you do it if you're not training for a bike race yeah really i mean yeah. I, you, you go walk or something like that we got a treadmill and stuff like that she loves to she's getting into running and hiking a lot more than she used to so well I, I, getting back to that you know the thing is is i was wondering why i didn't ride so much but i think covid you know as i've mentioned yeah you know races actually are my motivation and i really haven't had much motivation with COVID. Everything was shut down, and then I was getting pretty jacked until the smoke rolled in and yeah, that stamped us out, and then COVID again. So I don't want to be a yeah. pissant, but I think we're going to have smoke every year for the remainder of our days on this planet. At least us in this here area. in the Northwest. Yeah. yeah. Did you see? The, I've seen the thing recently that's like that was saying that this is the hottest summer in years. But then I saw something that was like correcting it and saying, actually, this is the coldest summer we're going to see in years. Oh, we're going to see. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's so it's gonna, gonna get, get fucking hotter. hotter. Yeah, and so it kind of, not oh, to bring shit. it down again, but it kind of looks you in the eye, or it looks you straight in the eyes and goes, "Well, yeah. can get worse. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Well, I'm all for that. I have no problems with 100 degrees. I yeah. have problems with 100 mm. degrees. We met that in San Diego. Holy <laughs> shit! That, yeah. Speaking of Strava, I uh, I actually wasn't through Strava. I went through my Wahoo because I was thinking, well, if Sam has 5,000. I wonder what my season looks like, and I'm just shy of three thousand, which is okay. Oh, probably pretty close. Then. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I, I mean, space the heat. Oh, the heat. Ago. Yeah, I looked up the ride of the Belgian waffle ride, and it's. I think the lowest it was was eighty six. Yeah, it was eighty six, and the when highest. You rolled it, out. Yeah, and then it got to one hundred and fourteen, almost one hundred and fifteen at one point. I remember the moment that it got to 115. <laughs> yeah, it showed where I was on the course too, yeah. and it was hot like that, and it was in that in those horrible, dry, dead I hills. You were gonna die. Yeah, yeah. Holy totally shit! Totally exposed. Oh yeah. god, and no water. I mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, fuck, so many mistakes. So many mistakes. Um. So I'm working on organizing my shit and to settle into these winter months. Um. I I'm start. I am gonna start. This is an unpaid endorsement. I'm starting on a system. Uh, Wahoo. SYSTM, formerly known as the Sufferfest plan. Um, it's going to include riding strength and... Uh, mental? No, I'm not the mental. <laughs> you know, I need the mental. I seriously do. But I started the mental a while ago. I mean, a, about a year ago, just to see what it was like. And it, it was... It's Too close to uh, Bull Durham. You remember that scene? <laughs> they had the psychiatrist. Losing is a disease. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was better than that. I mean, it is legit shit. I mean, but it's, but legit shit. I shouldn't say that. That sounds like an insult. But it's, it just seems a little too, eh, for me, you know, like finding your inner Mount Sufferlandria. And I'm like, I, you know, this is probably a serious problem and I need to talk to somebody in therapy about it. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm being too macho about it. So I am, but I am, on that other side, going to do yoga for dummies. I, because although I've got to figure out a way to get the screen closer so I don't have to look up, because Abby, the girl who does the yoga class, speaks so quickly. Mm-hmm. And with my childhood dyslexia, the left and right thing, she's going like, put your left foot behind your right ear and yeah. put your elbow down to the ground and the right you need to start <laughs> index finger like to your <laughs> pinky layer. And I'm just going, Huh? And I'm looking up, and by the time I look up and see what she's doing, she's into another pose, and so it's I, it's hard for me. And you know, I should follow Gabe, uh, you know, Gabriel, yeah, yeah. yoga for cyclists. Mm-hmm. And he's does some really good shit too. So mm-hmm. I should never bash what Gabriel does. Um, and I think I want a Zwift race once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Good luck with that. You're not going to do it. No, you're not going to touch I'm not, Swift. I'm not touching Swift. Okay, system. I will. You will? Yeah. Good. As soon we as I get make, a trainer that We works. can make Paul do a 4DP test. <laughs> can you? Well, it kinda, it's <laughs> yeah. kind of a good thing to do, especially if you get involved with it. You want to know what you all those numbers are so you can actually do something. That's your base. That's yeah. where it, it builds the what you need to do on top of that. So it's like, so here we go. I've also re- incorporated a diet to reduce my summertime calories as I swirl my beer in a circle. <laughs> I'm up about three to four pounds, and people are probably thinking, holy shit, it's been like a month. And yeah, I've more or less gained a pound a week, and I'm not sitting in my couch with a pint of, with a gallon of ice cream, just you know, like Ben Stiller in the end of Dodgeball <laughs> or something like that. But um, 
apparently I, I gain weight pretty easily. It's it's a gift I have, so I got to work on that. Um, so that's my life now. Yeah, uh, adulthood for me is sad and boring. Um. So, we, oh God. So, yeah. I guess that's it. Do we jump to the headlines after that? After my depressing bullshit? Well, I can add more to that depressing Do. bullshit. Yeah. Oh fuck. So, so you muscle waste twice as much as fat. So if you're not working out and you gain weight, yeah. Some of that you could be losing. Your I'm losing muscle. muscle. Yeah. So the fat wait. that you gain, if you lose like one pound of a muscle, so one I'm, pound of fat, you're you're. Broke even, but if you're gaining weight and not riding, riding, you've lost more muscle than you have. So I'm, my muscles are staying the same, and I'm just gaining fat. You hope if you're riding and you exercising, <laughs> if you don't move and get off your ass, that weight gain is lost muscle and gained fat. I yeah. used to say muscle weighs more than fat when I was trying to defend my weight. Is <laughs> you. Yeah. Wow, I haven't lost any weight this winter, but muscle weighs more than fat, so I probably lost weight, but yeah. I'm just gaining more muscle. Right? Yeah. Not a bad way to think of it. Go with me on this one, you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys are the reason that I'm a fucking psychopath. I just want you guys to know that. <laughs> fat shame, yeah. Seriously, yeah. It was. It started with Simply Huge, yeah. which you came up with, man. Yeah, I so. will take none of this credit. <laughs> I have stayed silent the whole time. <laughs> You're just awkward over there will, going... <laughs> I will accept none of the fat shame. <laughs> <laughs> Just pray for mom's gene pool. <laughs> oh. We're checking the headlines, you guys, brought to you by our friends at Mojo Cyclery. Get to your local bike shop to support the sport. Mojo has been hit with insult and injury, you guys. They're recently flooded by a neighbor's fucking mop sink. They had to close for a spell. Show some love, Spokaneites. Uh, we need great shops like Mojo, and if you guys are not in the Spokane area, get to your LBS, right? I think we could all agree with that one. So, number one, story number one, I entitled, You've Got to Be Kidding Me. And uh, I don't want to dwell too long on this, but this is news, and this is something that probably should be discussed. In case you haven't heard about it, Scott Morris, the former managing director of USA Crits, has spoken publicly for the first time since it was announced that Safe Sport temporarily suspended him for allegations of misconduct. Yeah. In an interview with Cycling News, uh, Morris claimed USA Cycling were aware that he faced charges relating to child pornography two years ago. Both Morris and USA Crits founder Gene Dixon have provided conflicting information as to whether they ever discussed Morris's past, while both men have claimed that certain teams are exploiting, exploiting Morris's past in order to benefit. I'll let you take that one in for a second. Both have also dismissed and strongly denied accusations made by the L.A. Sweat team that Morris used inappropriate behavior towards female riders in 2019. On Sunday, it was reported that Morris was fired when the news of his past was shared throughout social media. Several U.S.-based cycling teams decided to remove themselves from the USA crits with immediate effect, while a number of high-profile races made the same decision soon after, including uh, nearby us Boise and also Tulsa Tough. Um, I don't necessarily want to get into the legal issues here, let alone discuss the ramifications of this guy's actions or judging somebody guilty before their time in court or judging somebody as being a fucking slime ball before 
you know, there we go. So, uh, due process. Yes, yeah. but it needs to be addressed. Um, how can my, my I, I, you know, I, I'm, and I'm sorry to throw you guys under this bus without even prepping you for this, um, but I, what are your thoughts on, on organizing, keeping somebody on the payroll in a high-profile position that is facing such charges, um, especially if there was a speculation that they knew about it up to two years ago? Does anybody have any thoughts? I know it doesn't really relate to bike racing, but it has a gigantic implication on bike racing. Uh, I think a lot of these stories are kind of starting to, not starting, have been coming out for a while of actions that have been taken by people who are in the higher ups of organizations that have done a lot of bad things that have gotten away with it for a really long time. And it's just kind of disheartening to see a lot of the people that are, um, doing these things you know um and and i think that that's that this is one of the cases that you know should not be taken lightly i don't i i i I don't blame a lot of the people that are pulling out of this uh, of these of the series of the series yeah yeah. uh i mean i i I wouldn't want to be associated with that either but it also to me kind of like signals this shift of like individual races taking on their own individual um like persona they don't have to be a part of a series anymore they can be their own individual thing which in essence could be an exciting thing that comes that comes out of this you kind of get like each race being put on individually which makes it that like it can create its own culture like Tulsa Mm -hmm. Tough has um so I hope that comes out of it uh yeah it's a disappointing situation it seems like the whole concept of the series is more of a you sign up, you know, these top teams in the country are traveling to an entire yeah. series. It's like a tour for a, for a rock band or something like that. Whereas we can all agree that something like Tulsa Tough is such a standalone event that the top riders in the world are going to go to it. Um, our people are the top riders in the world, well, in the country, region, whatever it is, going to drive all the way to Boise, Idaho if there's not a tour so yeah. to speak and point systems and something on the line that might be kind of kind of approaching that so that's that's a tough one to mm-hmm. to kind of roll with paul well in all walks walks of life as we've seen whether they're doctors or uh like the, i'm thinking of the u.s gymnastic oh uh, shit yeah yeah. yeah um there these pos's are out there that do these things um it's awful. I have yeah. no. I, I've shared personally. It's affected Absolutely. my family and stuff. Absolutely. So yeah. I won't go deep in there. Um, <clears throat> but it's now a bigger crime for me for those who have the knowledge of these people being that way. Yeah. Or even have a past that you're willing to step aside and let them be involved with. If you know somebody has a record or a past, that should be a question. And and. It is up to you to hire. I really believe if you want to hire somebody with the past that that Morris had, yeah, then you're going to land on your sword when the when it comes out. Yeah, mm-hmm. you deserve that. Yeah, and um, that's just my take on it. It's those who are trying to protect the 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 POSs of this world are or shade it because they're using them for their benefit. They're just as equal and evil to me. Yeah. So, and it's unfortunate. That, you know, like you said, the U.S. USA Cycling or the Crit Series, 
it was such a good thing. We were talking about Tulsa Tough, and it's like, you know, just seeing these guys come by and Tulsa Tough, and then they'll be at Boise, which is like 600 miles away. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's right there. And three years ago, you and I talked to uh, Spokane, um, Greater Spokane Sports Association, and possibly trying to get something a rolling stop. and a get stop a stop on this tour. in that. Yeah. yeah. Boy, I'm glad that didn't work out. Well, you know, any <laughs> yeah. part of that. But there, there's, I mean, there's a thing that you know, pu- putting together bike races, and, and and I would be, I would be willing to pursue to make something like that happen again. But would you know, and and with that in mind, are would you guys, if if let's say you had a race on your calendar, if we wanted to go to Tulsa, and they were still a part of that USA Crit Series, would you attend? Um, for me, it would be, it would have to be those people, uh, it has to be that f- far enough along on the investigation that those who knew about sure. his, his past or, or whether he's done or whatever, they're gone. If that, yeah. if mm-hmm. that is a clean sweep and start from scratch, um, I'll put faith in there and say, okay, you got rid of the, the weeds. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that, but right now I think there's, way too much and and you always wonder how much is covering up real people are covering their trails right mm-hmm. away i mean as soon as the word come out oh shit you know yeah so it may take years for that to clear out i go ahead no did you have something i don't i don't i really don't understand the concept of of the if if you know and again we're all receiving knowledge via um online news sources it sounds like cycling news got a got a pretty good interview with him um with with mr morris he was incredibly blunt and did not was not flattering to himself and his responses he sounded worse than me on this podcast in terms of his profanity and things like that i don't think that's an incredibly professional way to handle yourself when you're talking about something like your innocence mm-hmm. he sounds pissed um but i but but i i I, d- I don't understand how an organization can have knowledge of something like this over several years and still continue to maintain that that agreement that that I agree. especially in such a high profile position. Um, I d- also, you know, think innocent until proven guilty. You know, he, um, Morris is claiming that that these these accusations by um, these members of um, what's the team LA Sweat have are are angry with him because he did he made some changes in the series and they're pissed at him. So they're lashing out at him and, you know, they're sure there are, I'm sure there are cases of people who, who jump to the gun, you know, of, you know, of a crucible, uh, Arthur Miller crucible, uh, by the way, I'm a theater director. Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the children dangling the keys to the kingdom where they can just accuse anybody of witchcraft and then they're automatically accused. Sure. That these things are going to happen, but it just sounds like there are too many ducks in a row here mm-hmm. that are leading towards this guy. Um, so again, I don't want to, you know, I don't, you know, and, and I think, I think if you still, as a human being listening to this show, still have your intentions to attend the USA Crit events that are part of that, part of that chain, um, I'm, you know, all, all the best to you. I, I, I hope the best for the series, not the individuals. I hope the best for the series because I think it's a great thing for, for the sport and, and it, and it fucking pisses me off. Um, is it just me, and I do not mean to diminish the seriousness of the charges brought up against this man or, or the, anything involved, but is it just me, or is there a gigantic, gigantic amount of drama in this crit series? 
beyond what I'm seeing in the professional peloton with somebody hates somebody, somebody doesn't like the other mm-hmm. thing, somebody's in trouble with something, doping, man, you know, it's there is so much shit stirring in this USA Crit series. Is it, is it just me or is anybody else noticing it? It's like a fucking soap opera. I mean, so have you ever watched American Sport? No. Because I mean, like American sports, uh, or is there a TV show I, no, called American? Oh no, sport? no, no! I mean, like just American sport, yeah, like, in general. Oh, like yeah. the NASCAR drivers all. hate each other, and football, football players, players are douchebags. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's just an American way of sport, really, in general, is what I think. I don't know. I I I think that create or giving um, individuals who play a sport a platform such as social media, it's gonna come out and it's gonna make it way more exciting because if I mean. <laughs> If you've ever watched reality t- reality TV, sure. What do you watch because of the genuine human connection, or do you watch because two people are getting really pissed off at each other? I think we all know the answer. To yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think it's, I think people are bothered by one another. You know, they're racing so close together throughout the entire season. However, it's also how can we make this more entertaining? You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly a part of our uh, American um, kind of little pop culture. Is, is it? Is, do you predominantly think it's an American ideal? I, I think it's all over. I mean, you, you know, Twitter. We were talking about a Twitter account, and it's it's giving people voices. Everybody should be heard, but they shouldn't be able to to manipulate and and throw somebody under the bus that doesn't deserve it. Um, I think. I don't know. Freedom of speech is is a a great responsibility as long as you use it properly, and it can't be abused. Yeah. Um, so Spider Man quote. <clears throat> yeah. Great power, great, great power. responsibility. Yeah. 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 So, and I think it, it's unfortunate. Um, social media, I think, has some positive things, and I think it was started off with good intentions, and then there's a lot of people who, you know, you, you hear. I don't know. Reality TV is something that I. I'm like, this isn't real. Yeah, it's soft script. It's they want because yeah, yeah. they use words like twist or you know they had like all these little terms. It's like, it's yeah. you know we. I think United States is the worst. We're the largest voyeurs of the world. We our our movie stars, our our athletes that we idolize. We idolize. We wear T-shirts when jerseys spend hundred dollars that say Jordan on the back or you know. Yeah, and we are a nation of of idol worshippers, and we like to see our idols fall for some reason, or, or those that are lifted up. Mm-hmm. So it's a hopefully we'll we'll start kind of tapering down. But I think I don't think it's ever going to taper down. God, it's yeah. just sometimes annoying. It just you hate to even yeah, you know, when you've got. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think the celebrity and I think, a lot, like you say, social media is going to create everybody now has their own voice. Um, I don't know them personally, but I noticed that a lot of this stuff, kind of these pot stirrers is, is the people associated with the Legion st- uh, team in, in this in this soap opera that is USA Crits. When you got the big platform. Mm-hmm. They do. They're an amazing team and they're they're kicking absolute ass and yeah. they're they're fast and their results speak for themselves. Uh, but boy, and, and there are there are accusations that there are, you know, and I, again, true or false, whatever mm-hmm. they may be. I'm just saying that there are accusations that are that they are trying. It is a kind of a power grab, 
in many cases when when Legion comes out and says first that they will not be attending the USA Crit Series. Oh, is this to bury somebody or is this because of his actions? So I don't. You know, it's, it's fucking crazy. <sighs> and I'm sure it's going to all play out, and it's all going to play out in the media, and mm-hmm. we're all going to be first front row seat to it, and it's going to probably put a slight black eye once again on the sports cycling. And that's all we need. That's really all we need. You know, please, God, let somebody dope, too. You know, because I, I can handle <laughs> doping accusations. It's pedophilia. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Come on. Uh, so, next story. Let's move on to something better. The tour is already here, you guys. Well, at least the route. The route of the 109th edition of the Tour de France was unveiled last Thursday in Paris. A total of 3,328 kilometers between the Danish capital of Copenhagen and Paris await the riders from July 1st to the 24th and include f- favorites like the Alpe d'Huez, the Glibier, and even some cobblestones. What? Hmm. That's cue number two. What? Um, <laughs> nice uh, delay. So, yeah, six <laughs> flat stages, seven hilly stages, and six mountain stages. Total, the riders face 53K against the clock. Also returns to the cobbles in northern France for the first time since 2018. Um, I know I don't know if you guys have had a chance to. Paul, we were talking before we went on the air. You saw kind of the unveiling ceremony, so to speak, where we made a joke about European guys in really nice suits and sneakers. Um, and your thoughts? Any anybody have any thoughts on the route uh, itself, uh, cobblestones, and and actually. I'll ask your thoughts on the route, on the route, and if cobblestones truly, indeed, belong in a grand tour. Let's put this one to rest. <laughs> well, according to uh, Lefebvre, he he doesn't think he thinks it's gimmickry, but he also doesn't oh. like to, like the you know Paris tours either because they started going yeah. through wine country. I'm thinking this is a classic team. I think that's kind of strange, yeah. but mm-hmm. um, nevertheless, you know, I, I don't. I wouldn't want to see, and I think the last time it was in, we, it was in the tour, was it three years, two, three years ago? I mentioned it's good to have once in a while yeah. because it's all about, listen, it's, it, it's, you know, tons of miles, actual days on the bike, what, 20 days on the bike or 21 or whatever. 21. Yeah. Yeah, because two rest days. Two rest days. Yeah, yeah. So 23 days. days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know – it it is a, an endurance and a well-rounded so you have to time trial but you don't everybody complains about the route there's too much time trials time trials shouldn't be in there well how about mountains there's some you know give the mountain climbers a, a try you know a chance so put in a lot of mountains and it's yeah. it's no one's happy no one's ever happy to me it's good to mix it up throw in some cobbles to see what if this person's an all-around person some time mm-hmm. trials short yeah. ones maybe Hardly any, and then next year add a couple more. Um, some of the complaints are that you know some of the contenders are going to crash on the cobbles and be out. Well, some lady with a sign that says, could do the same. It doesn't matter, or an overlap wheel. Um, but I think, you know, even as an amateur, when I go to a race, if it's a stage race, whatever's thrown at me, I've got to – figure out a way to get around it survive mm-hmm. it or whatever it, it's not about putting little pillows and you know <laughs> cushions and <laughs> we'll make it all soft yeah. and friendly until you get to the mountains yeah, yeah. well and, and you look at egan bernal who knew exactly what was in store at the giro this year and he he rode strada bianca because mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and and i do recall 
if I'm not wrong, um, uh, uh, Vincenzo Nibali doing several cobble recon the year yeah. he won the tour. Yep. And Chris Froome crashed out on mm-hmm. the cobbles. Um, yep. So you know, 2014. Yeah. 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 I think it. I think it creates a competition for the best all-around rider, like we were talking about in the Giro, which you just brought up. Um, and part of me wonders if it will be won by like like an Egan Bernal. I don't know if there's any taking down Pogaccio right now. I think that he's at the top, but I think it is um it creates a race that's not just for a that that a climber's not just going to win, mm-hmm. which is exciting to me. Um cuz if we look at all of the races of the past years, you know, Bernal won the Giro, Pogaccio won the Tour and Roglic won the Vuelta, all three would technically be classified as a climber. Mm-hmm. So it, it could create an interesting all-arounder type of a tour, which I'm excited for. How many stages until Garrett Thomas crashes? <laughs> One. <laughs> what? <laughs> I saw an interesting thing. I, I listened to his podcast. He's He's got... He's got one uh, with well, he's got two of them actually. He's got he's one got Watts occurring, Watts occurring, yeah, yeah. Um, with Luke Rowe. But he's got another one. It's kind of like this club thing, and he just it, it dropped like two days ago or yesterday or something. And he's just talking about you know like this accents. He he didn't really want to dwell on it that much, but <laughs> and he's like the one in, in the Criterion Dauphiné. Remember when his hand? I think that's yeah. what it was. Oh yeah, Froze. his hand. Yeah, yeah, his hands. You couldn't you feel? And he goes, you know, I look like a door. I mean, he's he's a good sport. Yeah, yeah. And then in the tour, it was just a, a little speed bump that he he had his hands loose and went over the top. It was his fault, and he admits it. And that's when he dislocated his shoulder and stuff. But. I saw somebody goes, why, why is he, he's always going over the top, but if you look at his position, he sits forward quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So if you have, if that is, you know, your pressure point right there, if you lose control of your hand slipping off or you hit a bump and your hands go off, you know, yeah. you, you have one direction, you're going over the top and that's where you break collarbones, separate shoulders, that type of thing. So I wonder if that's part of it. I mean, a lot of people crash, get back up and you think, oh, oh, he's been down. Yeah. But with him, it's like, holy shit, he's yeah, he messed up. Again? Yeah, uh, yeah, he yeah? went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's messed up. Um, so there we go. I mean, I, God, I hope, th- I hope they all stay upright. It, it, but they won't. Uh, speaking of Tours de France, Tour de France uh, director Christian Prudhomme made a long-awaited confirmation that Amory Sport Organization will launch a women's Tour de France avec Zwift. That scared the fuck out of me at first. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, they're putting the women just on Zwift? Oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. Hell hath no fury. This shit is, they're going to burn it all down. And I wouldn't have yeah. blamed them. Um, but Zwift announced that it's going to become the title sponsor of the Tour de France, uh, Femmes avec Zwift, that will be held July 24th through 31st. In 2022, beginning on the Champs Elysees, in uh, in, con- uh, in conjunction with the final stage of the men's tour. Let me look at that men's yeah. tour. So they so take off after the men finishes. They take off from Paris to fin- so that could, from there on a, out. Yeah. Oh, so wow. they start out oh. at Paris. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And then yeah. they continue on. So there's no break. Yeah. Yeah. We just so right you know we it. get that that Tour de France. Now what are we going to do? Hangover. Yeah. We even talked about yeah. it last year. Yeah, oh, we get yeah. it every year. Now we now we got we're going into eight days of still more eight racing. Eight more days of racing. Yeah. That's not a bad way to do it. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. like uh, when we had um, 
on a Marion. Yeah. You know? It's it, my the, the thing I thought was cool about Perry Roubaix is having the women's the day before, as opposed to like a little bit before and or and, at and the same time. At the same time, yeah. yeah. They start and they do like a small portion, like Tour yeah. of Flanders. Um, the Flanders Flanders Classics had more women's racing, but there's I think it was Ghent Velligum or something. They the men had to or, or the women caught up with the men. And they had to neutralize the women. Oh, at yeah. one point, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, so now you don't have any. The girls are on there; they're doing their stuff, and you don't have to worry about, you know, yeah. yeah everybody's going to be. Hopefully, people will be back on the road. They don't have to like repack up, and yeah. they can extend their watch. Should we be happy that it's that it's happening, and not complain that it's only eight stages, that there's no stage over two hundred k, that the television coverage is probably going to be limited and short? I mean, should I bring those topics up, or should we not not bite the hand that feeds us? I mean, we all know they're there, you know. Yeah. Um, Prize list: uh, it's two hundred fifty euros versus seven hundred fifty euros for the men. Yeah. I mean, I, I in my eyes, I think we all know that they're there, and I think that there is a conversation to be had about all that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's 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 an uh, it's an annoying one in terms of the fact that this shouldn't even be the way it is when we start out. Sure. Um, however, I find that it's it's great that these races are are finally taking place. Finally, is the, I put the emphasis on finally, um, just because it, it it did take. A little, a little too long to have the first women's tour. Um, but I should it be extended to kind of equal that three week thing? Yeah, because I don't know if there are. I, I don't. I don't think there are very many women's tours out there that are a full week, three weeks. So okay. no, I think it's about time that this is a great starting point. But where can it go from there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I always believe in no matter what, always start slowly and small. Yeah. And and work whether it, it has nothing to do with being women. It, it's good that this is introduced. I think we can assess, or that it should be assessed. Not like I have any part of it. <laughs> ASO should assess and then and get writer feedback and and directors mm-hmm. and you know that is what they're going to base. Is like you know what we want ten yeah next time or yeah. yeah or let's have longer stages. It's good at eight or you know blah blah blah. blah. But I think this is a good since it's kind of an extension of the tour mm-hmm. that they're kind of pointing in the right direction. It's not going to be flawless and, and no one's going to be happy because there's already some of the girls were happy that there was a gravel section. There's a gravel section in it. And some of them are like, no, don't like it. Yeah. Well, that happens with the men too. Sure. Sure. And it, I, it is a step forward after a gigantic step back. I remember the year Marianne Martin won the inaugural tour de France feminine in 84 okay it was. Mm-hmm. and to my recollection it was if not three weeks it was close and i i didn't do my research on this i, I, I don't two. recall was it I two think, weeks i think yeah mm-hmm. but it was a lot longer mm-hmm. than eight stages and yeah. so in essence we are taking a step back but at yeah. least there's a beginning there were two steps back and now we're making maybe taking one step forward to get closer to mm-hmm. where we need to be um, and, and, you know, I, I can't speak for the women of women cycling because I'm not a woman of women cycling. And, you know, we've we got a panel full of guys here on Mariah. You know, I'm sure if she, I, I could ask her to 
send me a, a statement or something like that because I, you know, and, and it sounds like a lot of people are very happy about this. And, and we, again, do we bite the hand that feeds us or do we just take this now and hope we grow from here on out? I hope we, I hope we take it for and grow from here on out. There. Uh, next story is going to lead us into the topic. This one's uh, specifically for Paul. Tadej Pogacar has mastered the art of switching between disc brakes and rim brakes uh, with the weight of his bike and not for weather conditions uh, being the decisive factor for his final choice. The UAE team Emirates rider used a rim braked equipped Colnago V3 RS to win. No, used. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Twini Lombardia. While uh, a few days earlier, he made a long range attack at the Trevali Varicine race. Okay. I hope I got that correct. On a disc brake bike. You only he got went, third then. Oh, oh, but he made the attack there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <okay. laughs> See what I'm going? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He won Liège Beston Liège on disc brakes. Uh, happy to switch between back and forth in the Tour de France. Uh, he attacked alone and rain and won a mountain stage in Le Grand Bernard in the Alps, but switched to a rim brake bike to win the mountain stop Pyrenean stage in uh, Saint-Laurie-Soulan in the dry. So, um I guess, should I just go straight into the topic? How far are we at? Well, 47 minutes. I should go straight into the topic. And I just, you know, Paul, do you want to comment while I turn pages? Well, I'm cracking another beer open. All this right, all right. Okay, our topic brought to us by our friends at Competitive Cyclist, you guys. Yeah, I know I said support the LBS a few minutes ago, but and please do that. But if you can't find it locally, get it to Competitive Cyclist. Use Pack Filler Link to show some love, Okay. Um, yeah, you know, but please God support local bike shops. But you know, if you, there are a lot of items you can't find at your local at your LBS, ask them first. Though, we're going to attempt to yet again solve the cycling world's problems on our topic today. So uh, let's get to the solutions, shall we? Um, I, I, and, I, and this story about disc brakes and Tadej Pogacar switching back and forth kind of inspired it for me along with a very popular topic we spoke about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of feedback from several listeners saying, you guys hit a hot button, um, unintentionally as it may have been, talking about the extreme cost of bicycle racing and talking about uh, why why it's become so out of control and why there's no attempt by the industry to create some form of a middle ground. Um, and there's also another topic that brought me into it, talking about solving all cycling's problem, is um, um, a question that was posed to the Facebook group of the upcoming revival of the 24 Hours of Riverside, which uh, a friend of mine and I are, are going to promote this year. Uh, it's 24-hour race format. Format Issues that arose um, are in terms of e-bikes in racing. So my first issue I want to bring up before we get into creating the ultimate, you know, technological bike advantage is dealing with e-bikes and racing um and it was asked about that format and the issues that arose during that are skills of e-bike racers and they're potentially getting into speeds and sections that are beyond their skill set that was one of the main complaints um also pressing issues uh, uh passing issues on on mountain bikes where you run into a single track section and and you're trying to pass somebody on an e-bike and and somebody of lesser skills and qualities i am not vouching for one side or the other but um do you guys think number one e-bike racing should even be a thing at all i'm just saying e-bike racing as it exists in any way shape or form you can be honest and people might hate you for it but fuck them <laughs> i think i think e-bike racing is fine um but i think it 
is only e-bike racing. I think if you if if you try and race a non assisted bike against one that is, there's no competition. Sure. I've seen um another content creator, the vegan cyclist go up against his wife who was on a uh, e-bike and he is like a cat cat He's one cat two. One. Yeah. yeah. Um and he just got absolutely smoked. Like there was no competition. So it's if if that's any indication of what these bikes can do there's i mean there there is no it's like comparing apples and oranges but i think uh they do belong in their own separate category um racing against one another for instance i mean tom pidcock is technically the world champion of e-bike racing and they're but but not of regular mountain bike racing and i like that there is a separate category for it but i don't think they should be compared to one another because they are so drastically different. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Yeah, I have yeah, to agree. Yeah, yeah, I think um I I don't think should, they should ever be ran at the same time. They sh- should have mm-hmm. certainly a different category and yeah. as as you as a promoter, I don't know how you're going to be able to do that. I mean, you, you that's a Issue can of worms. Issue we're running into is sure we're gonna, it would be a separate category. It would thousand percent be a but, separate category. Yeah, but if you've got riders on the same course at the exactly. same time, that's where the now problem you've got comes issues, in. The issues are arising. And, and when you were mentioning that, uh, trying to pass on a single track, I was coming home from work today, going up uh, Bernard, which we're really familiar with, but it's not a steep climb. There's a guy with a with a fat bike, uh, e bike. Mm-hmm. With racks, the thing probably weighs seventy pounds, and he's just like he's almost staying with traffic because now they it's twenty miles an hour by Manitoba yeah. Park. He's passing cars in the bike lane, and he looks like no helmet. Yeah, and and I don't. That's his choice. That's fine. But I'm thinking, <laughs> you know what? That's people aren't going to see you. Uh, this what creates are you doing, a- you moron. <laughs> <laughs> but he, well, you it know, will be soon. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He'll be drilling in a bucket here soon. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things that I'm thinking, you know, for for me, even in the early season when we're not really going fast and you're training and you're getting your first race and you're like, oh, shit, your mind has to make this adjustment to that speed. And and I think that's what's going to happen, like, you know, when you're promoting an e-bike. There's, oh, I got an e-bike. Shit, I can go out there. They yeah. don't. And and maybe some of them, most of them do know the rules, uh, you know, kind of like the unwritten rules of mm-hmm. passing on the left and, you know, that type of thing. But I think that's 
to mix them up is not a good thing. I don't I, mind if they're in their own category in their own race, but wow. Yeah. I can guarantee there are some people out there who own e-bikes. I know uh, uh, my friend Chris Andreessen, uh, who's been on the show several times, mm-hmm. um, owns multiple shops here in the city, and he rides his to, for a uh, for a downhill type mm-hmm. of experience. They'll ride it, and then they'll, they'll actually haul ass downhill, mm-hmm. and these guys are incredible bike riders. Yes. So we can't necessarily say that all e-bike riders are going to be, you know, moms and pops on, mm-hmm. on bikes they've purchased. Um, but I agree. I mean, and, uh, you know. I, I guess that brings up a good point. You got somebody like that is one thing, but when you have somebody on an e-bike who hasn't developed that skill, and they're doing the speed of like somebody who isn't on an e-bike, sure. like somebody who's been doing it for a while, and they're able to maintain that knowing, you know, the line or cutting, t- going into a corner and taking that corner. They just don't have that experience, but they're doing your speed, and you're dealing with this person that has. It's like taking a when when I go down and and you you do a lower category, a citizen race. Mm-hmm. That's you know I've been racing yeah. for thirty six years, and like Jesus, I'm gonna die here. Yeah. You know, because it's not that they're bad people or anything they just don't know what to do in these high-speed situations they're taking weird lines and everything and it's a 24-hour race you're out on a course with somebody at four o'clock in the morning and everybody's sleep deprived and somebody's going to make drinking. some dumb choices yeah some of those guys are going to be <laughs> drinking yeah. yeah and so yeah. yeah i think an interesting aspect to a 24-hour e-bike race though is the battery life yep. amount because ultimately you should only get one charge God, wouldn't that make it interesting? <laughs> Lugging like a forty-pound bike just around, probably even more. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's an interesting aspect to it because ultimately, yeah, you do have to charge. But e-bikes take forever to charge, just do like it. Yeah. yeah, just like I don't a, even know. Yeah, I mean, if if you're charging your car, you know, yeah. it's going to take a hell of a lot of time. These big old Bosch motors down at the bottom, sure. they aren't these lightweight things anymore. So it's it's. I think that's an interesting aspect of this of the race that would be fun to like really ask the riders what their plans are. You know, no, the twenty four hours going to have if you are going to have e bike, you are going to hear a lot of generators. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. or they're going to be coming to us demanding power. Yeah, you know, which is a lot of them are already talking <laughs> yeah. about. Not not e bike riders, but people are already talking about. Where am I going to charge my Garmin? I'm like, you fucking asshole. She's come on. I'm a bad race director. I'm going to be a terrible race director because I'm going to be just guy like, are you sitting? Draw a line, a hard line in the sand. Do not cross. Do you want me to wipe your ass for you, you little baby? You know, come (laughs) here and I'll clean up your poo poo. Except with you knowing so much, you'll be like, actually, your Garmin lasts for technically 24 hours. Not Garmin. My old Garmin didn't, but yeah, depends on the year, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it also seems sometimes, and it's seeing the interesting responses on facebook that we posted um where there there's a there's a core group of people out there who are so anti-e-bike that they are just it almost seems like they're a good thing they're the kind of people who will say all bikes are good everybody don't judge somebody for being a bike rider but then when it comes to an e-bike they're just like no fuck them you know and it's like they're they're all bikes are good but uh, just until they get in the way of my ego and then, then all of a sudden, it's a bad thing. And, you know, I, I don't want people passing me in the middle of the night. Well, fuck you, dude. Relax. You're not that fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get, you know, although, fuck, I can't chase an e-bike down. They're hard shit to chase down. Yeah. But yeah, I just, you know, and I, I think we're t- 
not to be a spoiler alert, but I think we're leaning away from it. I think we're going to try and resist a little bit longer to the trend. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, I think they're great, but I think when you want to do go out and do a race, maybe you, in in this case, either you enter a separate race with you are just on e-bikes on the course at that mm-hmm. given time. Mm-hmm. But if you're mixing and matching, it's going to be a little bit yeah. of a clusterfuck. Let somebody else, other promoters, yeah. suffer the growing pains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's get to it. The cost of cycling. Last week, we talked about affordability. We talked about technology and the rush to innovate. Um, we talked about what is being lost. Uh, should there be a middle ground? What other sports have held to other technology while continuing to innovate? Are some of the questions I have here. So um, just to recap, we were talking about electronic shifting we were talking about the fact that entry level not entry level but but good quality bikes within a specific line are are starting at seven to eight thousand dollars um and and how we're pricing this sport out of affordability for most people i think some of the people sitting around this very console at this given point in time um so what is being lost in your guys' opinions and, and what do we have any potential solutions? On, you know, I'm going to get into the specifics here, but just a generic statement in terms of where we're headed and what is at stake here. I mean, it's it, so I'll, I'll tell a bit of a story to kind of preface where my mindset is going. Uh, I guess to begin, you know, I'm a preschool teacher. It's not like I'm making a hell of a lot of money. Um, so... There's that. Um, and cycling's expensive as hell. And I remember um, my girlfriend recently, she bought a car. Um, so congratulations yeah, to her. Yeah. But um, she looked at me and told me the price of it. And um, she said, how much was your bike? And I didn't respond because <laughs> I knew that it was more than that damn car. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, it looks like a brand new car if you like if you're around it. Um but the thing is, why should my bicycle, a, if we're really getting down to it, I know what's on it and I know how valuable that, that stuff is. Sure. But a bicycle, a thing that was originally designed for a mode of transportation, costs more than a vehicle that has way more stuff than I could ever hope to understand inside of that car. I don't know. I just think that is a ridiculous thing. I don't think we should ever be at that point where we should be worrying about does my bike cost more than my car? Because ultimately, I think that's a Velominati rule, isn't it? Your yeah. bike should cost the more bike than should the yeah. on the car, the car should be worth more than the car. Uh, I've been there many, many years. Yeah, in that yeah. <laughs> I just think I I don't know. I think it's a ridiculous thing that 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 is the the world we live in, and I know that it's it's the electronic and the disc brakes and all that stuff. I mean the. The, it is different carbon than we used 10 years ago mm-hmm. if we're really thinking about it. So I think it's, it shouldn't be as expensive as it is. Yeah. It's, there's a good article in cycling tips that people should read. And uh, I, one of it is sustainability. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. These things are planned at ab- obsolescence. You know, the, the thing is, what are you going to do with these old derailers? Even it, I had teammates that bought a BMC in 2012, the same year I did. I went mechanical, and they went with DI2 um, Ultegra. And they loved it. You know, they didn't have – there's a few problems, hiccups here and there. Um, my bike weighed, to me, because I'm a crappy climber, I don't need to pack any more weight. Mine was, like, two pounds lighter because of my choice of gear. 
and it was something I could w- work on. And both of them had problems at some point within about three years with charging the like electrical problems. And and now it, it's progressed. It's not as bad. But and they paid a little bit more than I did. I had Ceram Red, and they had Ultegra. Mm-hmm. And I'm still running that same gear. And they're all on something new. Yeah. yeah. They're already progressed. Bo- both of them. One's on Super Record uh, oh. EPS at <laughs> Clonago oh, with lightweight wheels. Good gig if you can find it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the yeah. power to them, I, I don't have a problem. But, you know, if if you can afford that, that's great. Yeah. But in that article in, in Cycling Tips, there's there's no in-between now. It's It's like there's no... What what if I, I, I just want a light bike that I can work on and, and this integrated stem, you know, hiding the cables becomes mm-hmm. so fashionable that it takes I, – I watched a YouTube and I can't remember who it was, some guy from Australia, and he was um, having it repaired. He's putting a new set of wheels on, but they had to bleed the brakes. And this mechanic says it takes me about an hour and a half to make sure everything, all the hoses, just to take that apart – you know, yeah. change out the calipers if he's changing the caliper. And it's like, so what's the cost if you take it to a bike shop? You know, what's their hourly rate? Yeah. Just to put new hoses in when you're changing things out. I mean, not just the cost of the bike, but to repair that bike. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's a shame because we are at a stage from COVID. There's a lot of people who are introduced into bicycles and not that all of them will want to race. But they're going to go, what is it going to cost to take a race bike? Entry level with, like, Rival, which is going to weigh probably close to 20 pounds, like my Steel Conago did back in 1989. <laughs> and, you know, and it's going to cost them about 4000 bucks. Yeah. And my Conago in 1989 cost me probably about 2500 Yeah. But, of course, inflation is probably. Mm-hmm. And that had campy record. On it, so. Reminds me, I mean, across the board, I mean, it reminds me of of, uh, of Porsche. I can't believe I'm pulling out Porsche as a car thing, but <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But 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 to modern day Porsches, to get the oil change, you have to drop the engine. Oh my god! Yeah, you have to drop the engine out of it, and 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 you know the cost associated with that, it's got to be through the fucking roof. Um, so let's let's kind of start with componentry. We know there isn't anything wrong with mechanical shifting. We know there's nothing wrong with rim brakes, or even hell. If we wanted, if you want to go total old man on this, there's nothing wrong with toe clips and straps. It fucking works, right? Um, how can component manufacturers, in our opinions, justify continuing to create old tech? Can is there a market and a sustainability for old tech, or is it innovate or die? I, I don't know. I think that you can innovate but keep it around because um, there is clearly, as we're seeing, a place for all of this different type of stuff. You know, Sagan used um, – he didn't do very well, <laughs> but he used um, mechanical shifting in uh, Paris-Roubaix. Um, oh, he crashed on that one pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. well. Yeah. Disc brakes. Anyway, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but and 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 also we're seeing uh, that Enios did not make the switch; they just did for Perry Roubaix. So it's like there there is something to be there is something there. Um, but I also think that a group set like Shimano 105, which does have a disc brake range, is extremely attractive 
mm-hmm. because I've had 105 for eight years, never changed a thing, and it's ne- it doesn't skip mm-hmm. one beat on that track. It's never. I've never done anything. I've put chain grease on it. We've cleaned the we've cleaned uh, things. Never done anything, and it works beautifully. It yeah. shifts beautifully. So I think that things like that can work for so long to a point where you can upgrade. Yeah, I'll always. I'll always say Otegra is the way to go or like, uh, 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 what's the second force is always the way to go. Yeah. That's where I'll always stand. But I just don't get it. Why there's this innovator die mentality yet. I guarantee there would be a sustainable, I, I can't guarantee, but it just seems like there would be a sustainable market for this old tech mm-hmm. to continue to manufacture this old tech. Well, I, I think that boils down to, I'm not in the industry though, so I don't yeah. understand price yeah. versus yeah. versus uh, you know demand and, and yeah. manufacturing. Well, and th- that's the thing. I mean, you would think once it's all set up, uh, componentry is all based on um, what drives it is what's selling OE, you know OEM yeah. when you you sell on bikes and stuff, and and so the need for if you make an innovation s- switch to when somebody sees a uh, integrated stem bar stem situation, it looks pretty cool. In the long run, you know, yeah, everything else looks archaic. Uh, but I'll bring Specialized since they have the problem with their their SL7. There was a Atheos. Oh, Atheos. Atheos. Yeah. That did you know Casper? I believe Casper Askren changed in the middle of the tour to one of those bikes. For what reason, I don't know. But he he switched to and that has cables on the outside. Mm-hmm. Now it's disc brake and everything, but for whatever reason, now it's a way lighter bike. It's six point eight kilos with disc brake bike, but in order to get that, there's less arrow. There's mm-hmm. there's not the integration, and and the big push from the time I was racing is the lightest bike mm-hmm. that could sustain the punishment that you put out, and all of a sudden once we hit that. There's people manufacturing complaining six point eight. We can we can break that. I mean, Trek was one yeah. of them. We we can get like a six a sub six kilo bike that's safe, but you know UCI said no, and now you don't hear them screaming at all. In fact, they don't want you to bring it up because they've gone the other direction. Everything's arrow, and then just brakes, which adds adds you know some weight that that would destroy everything that they've built up to. So. It's it's what sells. If they can get the guys racing on the on the weekend that people watch, that's what's gonna. That's an old yeah. car racing thing. Sure, what wins on Sunday sells on Monday. Yeah. So, and I think that's what it is. And you see, Specialized and Perry Roubaix, um, start all started off with clincher tires. Not one finished <laughs> with no clincher. Shit. Yeah, they were all on tubulars at wow. the end. They had to either wheel change it or change the bike mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But, I but guess, the, the, that was that was specialized. You know, they're heavily specialized, uh, sponsored, and that's their flagship team. So, and it's you know we we could I I'm just trying to fill this mid middle market, uh, consumer realm that that you could you know could you build a bike if the world was perfect could you build a bike that could be real world race ready on a realistic budget with old school tech made modern made by modern manufacturers i mean and would that bike be a bike that would sell 
I mean, you know, we okay, the present company excluded because you know, I I'm not going to spend more than <clears throat> seven or eight grand for a bike. I don't think ever. I I can't I can't justify it. I mean, I, I seven and eight grand it makes me embarrassed to say I'm going to spend that much on a bike. That's a fuck ton of money. Um, I just don't understand that somebody's going out there spending twelve fifteen thousand dollars on a bike. That's that's. Uh, but there should be their market, that market, that market, yeah, yeah, that twelve and fifteen thousand yep, dollar yep. bike should exist. Yep, I'm fine with that. If somebody wants to go out and grab a Pinarello Dogma with full campy, deep carbon rims, um, everything like that, wax chain, whatever else, you know, Bluetooth fucking derailleur, whatever it works, they can spend eighteen grand on that. I understand that. I don't understand why there's not a there's not a market understanding that you could probably build a pretty damn good quality race bike with a Old steel tech. frame, yeah. with a steel frame, mm-hmm. a good modern day built steel frame. You could build it with aluminum. You could build it around it. You could build a, a good quality set of wheels. You could put a 105 group on it and you could probably have a bike for around two to three grand. Why isn't that? Why isn't that a void that's being filled in the market? Well, you want to know a I don't know. This came to me right when the topic was brought up. But a brand like Canyon is a very interesting brand. Sure. So uh, we were all having a conversation about this the other day through text. Um, and one of the pack filler is considering buying one of them. Um, and so when 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 this person, well, I'll just say it. When Jack brought it up, mm-hmm. um, Dad, you said that I knew um, a lot about Canyon. And I, I, I do know a lot about the brand, but I don't know. I didn't know the prices. Um, and I looked later that night when I was talking about it, and I saw that their CFSLX is 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 a three grand bike. Really? Yeah. And it makes you wonder what is that cutting out the middleman really doing? Because as much as I, what com- components are on that? Do you know? So that's. I think that's going to be a mechanical Ultegra mm-hmm. at that point, which Shimano's not going to make anymore. Yeah, which is going to be tough. However, mm-hmm. I th- I think you can spec Ultegra um, Di2 on it, mm-hmm. which CFSLX? takes it up a level. Yeah, CFSLX. Um, but I th- I just find that it's a very interesting brand because it does take out that middleman and they can lower their prices so much that their top-end bike is a – Ultimately, we'll round up and say a ten thousand dollar bike. However, BMC can make a second tier bike for seven grand. Mm-hmm. I and they only do direct through shop or a dealer. And I'm not saying skip your skip your shop in whatsoever form, but it is interesting that they can be so much more for the people in a way mm-hmm. because they do skip that middleman. It's I don't know. It's it's an interesting brand. Here is CFSLX8 disc with ETAP, uh, SRAM Force, uh, 5599 See, that's a competitive price mm-hmm. for a, ultimately, you're going to get a lower grade ca- carbon. SRAM Red, $7599. Is that the same frame See, set? Crazy. Same frame. Same frame. Like, with DT Swiss ARC 1100s uh, on it. Um, that's a that's a higher end wheel on that seventy five hundred bike. Of course, it, yeah. once you move up Grupo, you're gonna everything. Yeah. See, that's crazy because I have a second tier BMC, and 
in and around that price range is where my mind fell. Mm-hmm. But you're going to get a top of the end group set with maybe a lower end frame set, but you're still getting a carbon fiber frame set for it's not, you're not going to feel much difference on mm-hmm. the top end. So it's that, that is very interesting to me that that can be done. This is the ultimate CFS LX. I don't know the difference. Maybe I'm, Oh, the ultimate is their uh, lightweight bike. Oh, so that's the ultimate. That's 75. Not arrow. Yeah. So it, it's, it's too bad. Jack's not here because his, his conundrum is, you know, he wants a lighter bike, mm-hmm. and he doesn't care if it's arrow or not, or whether it has hidden cables. But his is, you know, he can get a really good bike with mechanical and disc brakes mm-hmm. or rim brakes. You can actually probably find some. I don't know if Canyon even has any on their line now. But when's that going to be gone? Though? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 so you know, he could probably find like like a. Because I I think Canyon even even if he went with Canyon a newer probably has not been sold rim brake one but and he's got wheels that he could probably use but now you you how many years investing. are we away how many years are we away from not being able to find any wheels rim yeah brake? exactly yeah we're and, there. And, what I think we're there oh no you do? I've I've got like a lead on so many wheel sets for rim brakes. But Call how hard me. did you have to work for that? Easy. It's it's you can go to Pro Closet. People are dumping but them. But people left are getting right. rid of them. They're not manufacturing. Exactly. They're not new. To a exactly. Local. Yeah, yeah. And that's all all that that's the thing. It's just going to trickle down. There's always going to be people like me until my frame breaks. I can't I can't afford a $7,000 yeah. bike right now. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that I don't crash and ruin my frame. Because all these parts are people are dumping them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people are dumping these parts. I could, I mean, I could stock up forever. You'd be good. And, you'd be, and, you'd and be I like even a crazy old lady with toilet paper uh, eighteen months ago in March. <laughs> That's right. Stuck. Yeah. He's a hoarder of all rim brake <laughs> bikes. Rim brake bikes. <laughs> all fifty eight. Paul's got all the yeah. brake pads yeah. in the yeah. United States. <laughs> and yeah. I'm keeping them too, you motherfucker. I'll yeah. bam yeah. with me. <laughs> so. And well, continuing well, on, maybe we look at non-bike items. We look at helmets costing over three hundred bucks, shoes at over five hundred bucks, a cycling kit. Forget about it, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're buying from the pack filler store. Ching. Good band. Um, are there any cost-cutting items you'd be willing to use? Uh, you know, in terms of a helmet or in terms of shoes and things like that. I I will never skimp on shoes. Yeah, there are two things in my mind. I think shoes because I never really realized how much of a difference a carbon fiber sole makes. Oh, my God, it's a different game altogether. Yeah. However, there are some very high-quality budget shoes that you can find. Sure. Um, but uh, but the other thing is helmets. I I I get that they are expensive, but how many, uh, how many brains do you get? You get one. Yeah. Right? We only get one of those. So we might not want to screw around with those. That's, that's why I will always pay the price tag of what Pac will charge. He's a pock guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But like Giro. Well, look the size who, of his noggin. Yeah. Hey, seriously. Yeah, I, I can orange on the teeth. Mine's, mine's gigantic <laughs> too, but I, I can fit in. Pillow, go cry yourself yeah. asleep yeah. on your yeah. huge pillow. However, if you want some good glasses for cheap. Yeah. Oh, there, there, you know where to go. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to use that here in a second. And the next thing I'm talking about is the cost of the sport itself. Entry fees are, are pretty fucking high. We could probably all agree. Yeah. You know, Yes, people, race promoters need to ensure. They need to staff. Mm-hmm. They need to entice people to the attend the event with fucking cookies and medals and you know and beer pint classes and things like that um a fondo now is over 200 bucks right you know um 
What do you expect for in return for your money when you enter a race? I don't know. I think that when we when we signed up for Belgian Waffle, which is kind of funny because ultimately what like between the between yeah. a fondo that we were planning on doing and Belgian Waffle, there wasn't really much financial difference. No, not at all. And one provided much more accommodation, I would imagine, than the other. You can pick on one or the other. It's okay. Which one was shit by comparison? He's not your announcing ideas? the one. I think <laughs> I think at Belgian Waffle we would have gotten much more than we did at the Cordelaine Fondo. Really? I don't think we used as much as we did because we were when you're racing a Fondo, you're not receiving the perks as much. You're not stopping. You're not enjoying the f- food yes. stops. You're just grabbing, shoving shit down your face and riding to the next stop. But I think that in terms of before, during, and after, one provided much more than the other would have. Sure. Okay. For okay. ultimately not that much of a financial difference. Okay. I can agree with you. Yeah. Paul, I mean, when you enter a race, do you have any expectations for a value versus price? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, while Jackson was talking, I went off into space. No, no. I, I was sitting there thinking, why is it that that like Fondos and and you know the Belgian Waffle Ride, those don't intrigue me because it really is a race and it's not anything more than even like our TNT that we we kind of experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, to me, when you have a, a governing body and rules that are labeled down and there's officials and it makes mm-hmm. it official, then you can really say. You know, this is the real deal. I'm I'm actually racing. Really? Okay. That's in my mind. And so, you know, yeah, I think about, um, you know, the races that I do. There is a sense of gratification or disappointment. However, I finish. If I finish low on a on a on a sanctioned race, you know, I'm I'm pretty disappointed. If it's a grand fondo or something, it's like, well, you know, I just had a bad day. It's just an expensive training day. I, and I don't know why I have that frame of mind, but that's that's what it is. I I think maybe part of it is there's a a point system. There is a it, there's mind like people that want to win, mm-hmm. as opposed to grand fondos. There's some people who just want to have a good time, which is not a bad thing. But I want to compare myself and challenge myself with people that are like, no, I'm gonna freaking make you suffer or whatever. I mean, that's what. And you're you know, starting with them in that group, and yeah, with a specific focus of exactly, yeah, as opposed to going past somebody towing their kid on a cart, which sure. is cool, yeah, but that's they don't have the same purpose. But um, so Jackson, you brought him up. Um, I, I was gonna I was gonna bring Gooder into this because I didn't you notice I didn't haven't mentioned them, and I'm not. This isn't an intentional plug. When I was writing out the notes for this, um, I talk about all the stuff that costs so much. Um, Gooder is a company that has taken something that is usually absolutely insane price and they've made it incredibly affordable. I'm not going to say, I I don't want to insult a sponsor, but I'm not going to say that Gooder is the most absolutely amazing high quality prescription quality sunglasses I've ever put on my face. They are great. They fit comfortably. The lenses are great. Um, I can switch them in and out, and they're fun, and they work r- incredibly well for me. 
Um, I, I, you know, if I put another, you know, $300 pair of glasses on my face, am I going to notice a difference? Yeah, I probably am. I, I, you know, and again, this is nothing against our friends at Gooder. They've been a sponsor of this show for a long time, and I don't want to make them think that I'm yelling at them. But they have figured out a niche, a void to fill in the industry Mm -hmm. that needs to be filled. Affordable sunglasses that work great that you can afford and not cry if they fall off your face in the middle of a race. Right? Yeah. Right? Like so, a pair of Oakleys. Yeah. I mean, I had to throw them under the bus. But sure. They're insane. You're yeah. paying four or 500 bucks for yeah. a pair of sunglasses. That's yeah. asinine. Mm-hmm. And and I love that if, you know, I had a pair of Gooders fall off my helmet uh, uh, last year. And I was like, actually, I would have been more stressed now because they were the style that is no longer they're not making anymore so that (laughs) for me yeah it's gone up so much right but uh but they have filled that Mm -hmm. that niche that piece of the pie so let's say let's create the world the perfect world uh to close out the show let's let's create a perfect world and let's create the gooders for everything in the bike racing world okay so in a perfect world how much would you pay for a three-stage stage race just the racing it, it just estimate pick a pick a price what would you pay paul for a three stage one weekend stage race if tour de bloom drink was this weekend and you could pick the price what would you realistically pay for that i i have a number in mind okay but i'm afraid my wife would say oh no you're not i would i would pay up to 300 bucks okay yeah easy 100 bucks a race kind yeah. of a thing okay oh, that's grand fondos over that oh, yeah. per per day. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Any swag you take at home? No, I don't swag doesn't doesn't do it for you. Me. Doesn't do no. it for you. No, it's okay. like I had I threw away T shirts and T shirts okay. from swag sure. and and I got, got a sick on so many right. hammer gels that yeah. I quit <laughs> <laughs> Jackson, higher or lower? Um way lower. Way lower. What would you pay for a three stage stage race? Because I've been in the sport competitively for such mm-hmm. a little amount of time. A hundred dollars, hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. I'd go probably right in between where you guys are. I'd go about one hundred fifty to hundred to two hundred bucks for a three stage mm-hmm. stage race. Uh, it just seems about right. How much for a single event, Jackson? You get to go first for a single event like a like a Fondo, like a Fondo. Oh, um, I would probably all. I'd probably pay seventy five dollars, seventy five bucks. Paul, twenty five. 25 bucks. Now, same question. Do you have it on the list as a race? No. Okay, or a single race. Single race, I'd pay up to 50. Up to 50. I'd double that, yeah. I'm thinking of our Wednesday night races. They're about Mm -hmm. 25 bucks. Mm -hmm. That's for a weeknight race. Yeah. I remember when they were five. Well, it depends on the, well, it depends on the competition for for a local, uh, I don't pick Local weeknight race. Yeah, that would be 25. Yeah. But if I was going out of town, you know, Vance Creek or sure. independent. Um, I'd pay 50 bucks for yeah, something like easy. that. Yeah. yeah. And I'd pay 25 for a local race, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. I guess that's not, mm-hmm. not too steep. Um, how much for a pair of good quality cycling shoes that feel good to you, Jackson? Uh, I'll compare it to soccer. $200. 200 bucks. That's Paul. how much my... That's about my yeah. level, too. 200 yeah. I, I was going to go up to three. I was going to go up to 300 for for, for a pair of cycling mm-hmm. shoes. I would do that. Yep. Um, how much for a good quality helmet that you're happy with, that, that it has proper ventilation? You only got one brain. I said it before. I'd pay $1,000 for that. 
I don't thousand dollars for a helmet. I it is never something that would ever be created. But like I said, you don't get what I know. It's it's crazy. But like, what are you doing, you moron? I wouldn't. (laughs) He's rolling his eye at me like, fuck you, dad. No, 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 no. I'm saying like realistically, would I pay that? No, no. Yeah. However, like I said, it's it's such an important thing. You don't get another one of these. Yeah, yeah. I would pay the most amount to get the best protection I could. God, I, t- I take it back. I take back my insults <laughs> of you. Although it makes good radio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd pay that much. but No, for me, it would be, it's not so much safety. I think everybody has a pretty good, you know, handle on the safety. Mm-hmm. One's slightly better than the other. Like uh, when when Bontrager or Trek came out with that wave tech that, yeah. like a turd. Yeah. Um, to me, it's a fit. There's very few, ha- yeah. and I, nothing's worse. And I, the first helmet I bought because of Alan McCormick had it was a Monarch. Remember those? Oh God, yeah! <laughs> uh, Holy, it shit. was the worst helmet. <laughs> and then, then I got a Veta, and that was like my head was like being yeah. cooked. Yeah. And then it took. I got into Jiro, which had the most sizes. You didn't have to stuff pads. You remember you had yeah. pads on it, and um, so yeah. To me, it's. I would pay up to a good fitting helmet that I don't notice it's on there up to three hundred bucks. Yeah, I'd probably mm-hmm. go up to three hundred bucks. I've too. gotten to that yeah. with yeah. Pock, and Pock is ultimately yeah. three hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, how about if 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 you could not ride if the bike you had and your budget was suddenly screwed over? Um, tell me the material of the frame, the componentry, and the wheels, and the weight, and the total price you would be willing to go out there and ride every day. And for I'll start. I'll start. I would ride a steel frame if I had to. I would ride a modern-day steel frame, which are probably not cheap. Probably not cheap at all, but there are several of them out there. Um, Do you I know w- somebody can build one? Do I? Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. I can build you. one. Yeah. I, I sold most tubes. of my shit. I sold most of my stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, forgot. I forgot. I'm a frame builder. <laughs> um, componentry, I would go, I would go as, I would not go below 105. I'm going to say it. I would not go below 105. Is there below? Sure. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. There's like seven uh, or eight layers below 105. Yeah. yeah. There's Ace, Eris, or whatever the yeah, fuck yeah, they call yeah. them, yeah. and all kinds of stuff like that. Centaur. That's yeah. kind of it, gas camping. We don't little, know yeah. because it doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 We don't. We're not it. real. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, wheels. Um, shit, I'd ride just about anything for wheels. You know, I'd ride a 36 hole wheel, but, you know, I, because I know that, you know, Weight is a one thing, but if I had to go out and ride, I'd go out and ride on a, you know, good old fashioned set of maybe GP axioms. Oh, axioms. Yeah, yeah that's what I have. I think mm-hmm. uh, for my my spare set, they're heavy too. Uh, GP fours, yeah. Um, weight, I would want to keep it under twenty, definitely under twenty pounds. I guess that's the farthest I would go. And for a total price, the lowest I would go. The lowest I can imagine going for a good quality bike that I would actually enjoy going out and riding, I would probably be the twenty five hundred dollar mark. I'm gonna guess is gonna be the lowest I would go out there and do. You guys got any guesses? You wanna play this game? Yeah, so I think I would not go with steel because I I uh, rode I if you didn't know that we did this, uh, we did this little Belgian waffle ride thing. Yeah. Um You were on steel. Yeah, yeah. for hundred and thirty one miles and um Holy hell, that thing weighs a ton. Um, so I would go up to aluminum. Okay. Um, I rode 
an alloy frame for a, ri- a, g- a good amount time. of time. Yeah. yeah, eight years. Yeah, um, and it never. It was great the entire time. It didn't weigh that much, so I would I would do an aluminum frame, um, and especially with the welds that they have now. Yeah, it's it's high quality stuff you can get that doesn't really look much different from carbon. Um, wheels. I would also do another an alloy aluminum uh, wheel set. I have a pair of Bond Traeger wheels that Roger Thompson gave me. Yeah, we're um, out of drinks. We're out of. Um, I'm drink gold. backwash. Yeah, yeah. But those are bladed spoke. They're way lighter, um, and they're high quality frames that are not are not frames, but wheels that are not gonna just bust. Yeah. So I would go with something like that, and they're they're kind of like a box frame. They're not deep. They're they are what they are, and I I loved them for when I had them. Um, but for the price range, um, high, I think honestly. What I if I were to buy a bike right now, I would have to spend in like at max the three thousand range. Yeah. Um. And I mentioned Canyon before, and they do a gravel bike that was ridden at Unbound this year. That you in can that range. Ex- exactly on that three thousand mark. So it can be done. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to pick up Canyon as a sponsor apparently because we talk about him <laughs> on the show. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening, Canyon. Yeah. They're German. We got your love. We all know. know. Yeah, you could talk to them. Yeah, in their yeah. native tongue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paul, what would uh, what would your what would your affordable bike be? Well, you know, hey, it's button <laughs> <laughs> There's a little delay on that. Yeah. Shit, I suck at the soundboard. So, uh, through the years, the probably the biggest outside of clipless pedals weight. <laughs> Is a big thing, yeah. And and noticing the difference, and my BMC now is right at UCI level. I don't want to sacrifice that. I don't care how really? arrow it is, because to me, even even in a race, how often am I out front? You know, I've never I've had a few solo you know wins, but most of them are a small group or something like that. So the arrow advantage is not really there when i mean you're getting some you're in dirty air anyway yeah yeah, Yeah, exactly so that's never really intrigued me so i would i would go that way so i would look at you know for a used bike about four thousand dollars the highest level if i went ceram i'd like to see red mechanical i don't like the lack of maintenance on electronic stuff I don't even care if it's disc. If I can get down to that 6.8, I really don't care. But right now, that's not – unless you spend $12,000, $13,000, you're not yeah. going to get a disc break down there. Um, so wheels-wise, uh, that's the advantage, again, with rim brakes. If you had heavy wheels in the past and you're trying to turn those over out of a corner or climbing up a hill – God, and and, and it, that's why disc brakes always seems like we're going backwards here. The whole idea behind um, some of the, the push with disc brakes is that everybody wanted carbon wheels, and majority of the people run uh, rim brakes. And so what was happening is those, you know, the brake surface and brake track, they're delaminating. That was a problem. Well, if you put yeah. disc brakes, then you can get your carbon brake. But why did we want carbon wheels is because they were lighter, more aerodynamic. You could use less spokes. Now we have more spokes, more weight. Yeah. So what did we gain with this brake system other than I can say I have carbon wheels? Um, the advantage of – anyway, 
I could go total price. You were saying I would say four thousand dollars. I would four. I would spend and I would try and go whether it's Shimano. I mean, I, I one hundred five is good performing stuff, but I I don't think you're going to hit that six point eight. Yeah, with one hundred five, maybe I'll take her. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So I think what we what we're coming to the conclusion is is there needs to be a lot more four thousand dollar three two two to four thousand dollar bikes available Mm -hmm. and i think that's a gigantic void that's potentially being phased out in the industry i i could be wrong i'm not i don't you know i we should have the diva on this for the show where he could probably give us some perspective on that um yeah it just seems like that piece of the pie is is slowly being phased out and we're creating a sport made for elitist people with money and it i just I hope that isn't the case. And I guess we as as consumers and uh, and you know you guys out there listening w- all we can do is is find a way to create that an uproar, you know, in any way possible. I'm not, you know, this isn't January 5th. I'm not asking you to go to the Capitol and, and storm a building and break the, break things down tomorrow. But I am saying, <laughs> you know, talk to your local shops, talk to your manufacturers, email them or something like that and say, "Hey, you know, I, I don't know how to do it. How do you approach something like this? How do you how do you make a change in an industry that is so focused on on innovation and and profitability? I, I don't know. Well, I, I I can semi answer that question. I guess yeah. we've had this podcast. I think there's probably a lot of people. You had a response from yeah. Terry Terry Prime. Yeah, you know he he sent you a note saying, "Yeah, this is." I had a lot of people situation. responded to yeah, me. Yeah, about that was yeah. one that yeah. you brought up and. Um, since he's a friend of the sure, yeah, I guess I thought, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but you know, um, <laughs> then you have like even cycling tips, you know, uh, James Wong was yeah. made a made a statement in his you know the latest podcast on Nerd Alert, and you know there is a whole and hopefully the industry listens because I would like to see younger people. If think about Jackson, what if he was started off and said, holy shit, you know. Yeah. What are, what are you going to do? I mean, he's 14, 15 years old, you know. He's going to outgrow the bike. How, what yeah. am I going to get you on? Holy cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bart Bowen on the show several years ago said a junior program should be all aluminum bikes, yeah. same gear and everything. I yeah. think that's a great idea. $2,000 price point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what every kid should be on maximum. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it, I think it would change the game. There we go. I don't know if we came to any conclusions. We just tro- approached to them. You know, e-bikes. Oh boy, that's gonna. That's never going away. And uh, stuff. Shit's just gonna keep getting more expensive. There you go, you guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure and tell a friend. Subscribe to the show. Follow us on social media. And uh, don't forget. Like I said, we're live. We do this show live. Galloway thinks I'm insane for doing it live, but we do it live. Always <laughs> well, listened. Yeah, yeah. And I don't edit the the mistakes. You know, the times when I drop an F-bomb or something like that. Because if I did, I'd be editing the whole show. There you go. You guys go out there. Message your manufacturers. Let's see if we can, you know, start a revolution. But a good one. A peaceful one. Not the, not the shitting in Nancy Pelosi's office, that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's how I'm ending the show. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.